Today's episode is sponsored by you and others like you who have pledged a flexible monthly donation through the Urban Achiever Patreon page. Please consider becoming a contributor by visiting patreon.com slash urbanachiever. And thank you for your support. What's up, Achievers? It's me, your host and friend, Billy Power. And welcome to the show, episode 59. Can't believe we're right on the edge of 60 episodes here. And uh, if you're new to the show, thanks for listening. Welcome. Uh, My guest this week is Mr. Ryan Weaver. Now, Ryan was the bass player in Joe Christmas and also World Against World. And as I learned today, he was around in the beginnings of Royal Thunder. Uh, for maybe one show or so there. Um, but we had a really cool talk. It was uh, good to talk to him. These days, Ryan is a tattoo artist in the Atlanta, Georgia area. He has a shop called Kingdom Tattoo. It's awesome. He's awesome. And uh, yeah, really enjoyed this talk with uh, Ryan, and I think you will too. Uh, so without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, it's my pleasure to introduce to you Mr. Ryan Weaver. <laughs> Ryan, welcome to the show, dude. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I uh, I always like to play this game, uh, and I think this might be one of the hardest episodes ever uh, to play this game, and that is, when do you think the last time that you and I saw each other in person was? Wow. Yeah, man, that's a, uh, that's a while ago. <laughs> I can't even... I can't... I don't even know. I think... I feel... If... If I'm being honest, I feel like maybe when you're playing with World Against World at Cornerstone on one of them stages or something. Yeah, that that would probably be the closest. Does that sound right? Yeah. Yeah. Feels <laughs> so long ago. Oh my gosh. A lifetime ago. Yeah, right. Yeah, a couple decades or something. Something like that. <laughs> oh, now you're in Atlanta. Have you always lived in Georgia? Yeah. Yep. I feel like you had. Yep. I've always been here. Did you grow up like going to the strand and all that kind of stuff or was that later on uh well uh we grew up going to the strand when it was operational so you know it's real old like it was an actual movie theater when you were a kid yeah 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 back uh man i, I could be completely wrong but it seems like the 50s 60s mm-hmm. um and then it kind of uh went downhill was vacant for a while and then uh marty bush um he got that thing cranking again and uh that's that's kind of the generation era that we uh hung out there and played there and kind of was part of that yeah 
How did you like, were you playing music when you were growing up or did you just do that as being part of that whole scene coming up? Yeah, I don't know, man. I've always loved music and uh, me and my brother must have been when we were, I don't know, I had to have been 14 or 15 is when mm-hmm. we got our first instruments. I got my first bass for Christmas my, when I was 14 and I guess he would have been five years younger than me. So I've been a little kiddo. Yeah. He got a, he got a guitar too. So uh, yeah, pretty early on. Were you a giant then too? Yeah. <laughs> I came out of the womb this way, man. Yeah, right. Did you, like, were you one of those kids that was like, everybody thought you were older because you were so tall? Yeah, yeah. When I was uh, I was 13, I, uh, I hit six foot. So, yeah. When you were 13, you were six feet tall? Yep, yep. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I always uh, assumed I was older than I was. Was that your only sibling, your brother? Yeah, we one I grew up with. We we had two uh, half brothers. Okay. From from our dad, but uh, Mm -hmm. we didn't really have uh, too much contact with them. They're they're much older. Mm -hmm. One of my brothers, half brothers, I've seen him my whole life, maybe seven or eight times. Wow. My oldest, many more times than that. We're definitely a little bit closer. But me and Josh, we're you know still you know day to day as much as we can. So he lives in the area. Yeah, yeah, we. when I got married about 10 years ago, we moved to Decatur and uh, he moved over here. My mom moved over here. So we're all about, we get, we're triangulated about a mile and a half in each, you know, couple directions, but we're all real close. So yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I was doing some thinking on the uh, treadmill this morning. Uh, a fine listener from the state of Kentucky recently chastised me for uh, caricaturing people from the South or places <laughs> from the South. <laughs> I think he misunderstood my making fun of, you know, my close friends that live down there. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I'm joking or whatever. I have a lot of friends like that. And I was kind of just right. thinking about like what like what even determines where people live. You know what I mean? Like it's like yeah. a real weird mix of like thing. And I was thinking often it is because family's there, even if like later in life, like you end up relocating maybe back to where your family is like what yeah. that's what we ended up doing. My wife's family's from where we live. And um, do you think that's kind of central to what keeps you there or? Well, Family is very important. Uh, I've I've always been the one to kind of step out, and uh, it seems like we've always just kind of stayed together. Mm-hmm. So you know, I can uproot pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Very close with my family, but uh, I think I'd be on the other end of that. Yeah. Did you live other places? Like, did you move around? Well, no. I mean, I spent a lot of time out west as much as I could. Mm-hmm. Southern California. As soon as I learned, well, even before I learned to tattoo, I started my apprenticeship eighteen years ago, but. Wow. Uh, even before that, I was hanging out in uh, Santa Ana with uh, Sid Stankovitz. Oh, yeah, I know Sid. Out of his shop, yeah. So, and then I get out there and tattoo at his place, you know, maybe for like a month at a time as much as I could. Wow. So, um, that's cool. That would be the other place that I, I, would, I would go to Southern California. Yeah. And I tried to about 10 years ago. And then uh, the lady that became my wife walked in and got a tattoo. And I knew exactly <laughs> right then that I was not moving. Oh, uh, boy. All that shenanigans. So yeah, <laughs> man, is your yeah. wife from that area or? Yeah, she's born and raised in Decatur. Like we're we're like a you know two miles from the house that she was born in and grew up in. Wow, she's a, a legit local. <laughs> <laughs> we live in the house that my wife grew up in. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Not to be that. Not Touché. to be the one upper. Yeah, not <laughs> yeah. to be the one upper guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> I got you beat by two miles, man. <laughs> All right. Good 
So I get that. Walk me through, like, we kind of started there, but let's go back to, like, like, were you a youth group guy or, like, just, like, into the music scene? Like, tell me about, like, your kind of upbringing and that stuff. Both. Yeah. Uh, we, we were raised uh, in a little local Baptist church, and uh, I didn't understand much about denominations or theology or anything like that. So we just kind of hung out. We were pretty young. Mm -hmm. So we did the whole youth group thing and that's kind of like starting junior high age or like elementary school or what? Yeah. Elementary probably. And Mm -hmm. then, uh, on into, well, early part of high school, maybe. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, that's kind of what we were exposed to Mm -hmm. that. That was kind of our early life. Was Joe Christmas the first thing that you played in? Yeah, actually, Zach and I grew up in the youth group together at that church. Yeah. And uh, Russell, guitar player, uh, he grew up in another youth group. So we all kind of connected through various youth activities and realized we both like, or me and Russell really dug like that Christian metal and stuff. But Mm -hmm. yeah, it was just like a kind of a... Like who who was your bands at that time? Oh, well, you know, the standard, and you have the, the crucified, the lead, mm-hmm. um, the believer, all that all the heavier stuff. <laughs> you said all the standard, but that's like the legit stuff. I mean, you could have easily said White Cross and uh, Baron Cross and Blood Good. <laughs> no, well, well that, that's the standard as far as I'm concerned, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it, it was stuff that we, we were exposed to. You know, our parents didn't forbid us to listen to secular music, but... This was the stuff that was just in our circles. So this is what we listened to. Yeah, that makes sense. And and obviously, you guys were also uh, brought together by your mutual love of William Faulkner and Light in August. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I will have to say that, uh, you know, being the bass player, um, you know, I was, I was along for the ride for a lot of it. But um, <laughs> yeah, they tell me a little bit about what was going on every now and again. Right. But, uh, so, yeah. You mean you guys weren't all like in a local book club together reading no, all the well, classics? Not me. Not me. <laughs> that, that was later. Oh, that was later. <laughs> yeah. The book club. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm still in the book club. Yeah. I don't know what this says about me, but I had to look that up. All right. Well, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm sure I've never read any of Mr. Faulkner's books. So Yeah, I I read I read some pieces of but uh have not read much at all. Either, so. Seems lovely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. So who were like, I don't want to skip around too much, but like, yeah. just tell me like, cause I played at the strand with my band and, and uh, no Marty and all that stuff. And I'm just trying to kind of like, like, did you know the luxury guys? Were you friends with them? And Yeah, we had a, we had a weird, um, yes, we did. Uh, those guys are our buds, and uh, there were other kind of up-and-coming groups in and around the area. Mm-hmm. So there, there were quite a few uh, bands swirling around. Uh, Luxury was definitely, in my opinion, one of the better ones. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, we played shows with those guys and hung out when we could, so good guy. Like Squad? Was that part of, like, Squad 5 Uh Well, that was a little bit later. Later. Um, okay. I believe that the band was called Piltdown Man. And Piltdown Man. There's a couple, you know, that, that that are escaping me that we would always, you know, play shows with and mm-hmm. out of contact with. But 
we were all kind of, you know, shooting for the, the signage, you know? Yeah. The luxury got it first, and then... That was like a thing that you guys were... Well, you know, we wanted to put a record out, you know? We had a, a, a local band putting a record out, and we are like, man, these guys are, are doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as what we thought. <laughs> you see, we, you know, the goal was... <laughs> Hey, you signed the contract, man, and you're in. You're good. Oh yeah, it's just all all glory it's all from gravy, here on out. Big gravy yeah. train after that, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, that was kind of what we were aiming for, so we could have a reason to get on the road and try to make a little bit of money. Mm-hmm. And making money wasn't the goal. You know, the goal was getting out, and playing music, and right, living it up. Well, it definitely helps. Yeah, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> Come to find out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you guys have any of those harrowing, uh, like, vehicle problems that a lot of people have? No, no. Fortunately, we, uh, you know, we've had a little, we had a little fender bender, but it did you? That's literally what it was. We just put fender back in and kept rolling, but um, occasional blowout, but nothing, nothing scary. Not, that's good. Yeah, yeah. You dodged a bullet with that one. That's for sure. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. That's sort of like uh, when I look back at my record company career, it's like one long string of phone calls about bad van problems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Rear differentials or trailers that came yep. unhitched or yep. something. Something, always something. Nothing good. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like they, they couldn't make a, a, a reliable, solid van back in the, you know, playing music in the 90s. Of course, you had like a early 80s model van. Yeah, you know, so it seems right. like there were no reliable '80s vans at the time. Nope, I just remember like having not having air conditioning was helpful. Oof. Not helpful to conditions, but it seemed like everybody that had air in their van, uh, they were always having some kind of radiator problem or something. I don't know. Well, we uh, we dodged that bullet. We we had a great a- AC, and I wouldn't have any radiator problems for the most part. Um, nice, but it did go out one time, and it was when we were crossing back from. West Coast to the East Coast in one shot, and it was dead summer. And, um, you know, we're used to the AC, so we're cruising back, <laughs> just melting yeah. and just in the worst moods because it's tours over, driving home. So we're all just angry. And then we get back home, and, you know, looking around and come to find out it was just a fuse. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> just a fuse. <laughs> just a fuse. <laughs> so, sure. Yeah. Now, who did you guys do your, I don't even remember, who did you guys record your records with? Uh, upstairs overlooking was with uh, Chris Colbert. Really? At, uh, yeah. I had totally forgotten about that. Yeah, in Nashville. Um, the guys from the choir had a studio, mm-hmm. and uh, that was kind of the go-to place for, for these types of recordings. So we recorded at uh, Dan Michael's house. Hindalong mm-hmm. uh, kind of co was there. Mm-hmm. He played uh, drums on a couple of tracks. And- That's cool. Yeah, it's fun. I had totally forgotten about that. That's awesome. Yeah. Old uh, Colbert, man, he's had quite a career. Yeah, no doubt. He's out there. I love looking at his Instagram thing, seeing where he's at. He's always just cruising around. Oh, man, I got to catch up with him. Man. Yeah, you should take a look <laughs> yeah. at that, man. I think he's out with like Leon Russell or somebody these days. Cool. Um, but he does a lot of road stuff and studio stuff and everything. He's just all over the place. That's awesome, man. Still full steam with that cat, huh? Old Mr. Fluffy and Breakfast with Amy guy out there. Wow. Just cruising around. That's awesome. God, that seems like another lifetime ago. Yeah, totally. Wow. <laughs> were you on the second record too? You were, right? Yeah. 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 
second record we did in Chicago at Steve Albini's house, uh, Bob Weston. He uh, engineered, and then Chris came along with that one and co-engineered as well. Dang. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. I, I always love it when people can remind me of things. See, see, you thought it was going to be you dusting off memories. Now it's me dusting off <laughs> right. memories. Like, I can remember now being in Chicago and hanging out with Bob Weston. Why was I hanging out with Bob Weston? I go, because he did records for us. That's right. Okay. Yep, got it. Did. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's awesome. So what, uh, you know, Couple Skate obviously is like the iconic Joe Christmas jam. That video is like yeah. maybe one of the all-time great videos. Yeah. Who did that video? I don't even remember. Oh, man. Uh, a guy named Chris Bellheimer, and uh, I can't think of his name. Chris Bellheimer. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah. Uh, he worked with uh, R.E.M., just some other Warner stuff. But, yeah. uh, super nice guy. And I'm sorry to the other guy. I can't remember his name. He's super. <laughs> su- Whoever that guy is, that. he yeah. listens all the time. He's going to be very disappointed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> My bad. Sorry, pal. So I kind of warned you in advance. I don't know if this is good or bad, but um, I'm sure you're aware of this, that over the years, whenever you're uh, when Joe Christmas comes up, it's sort of no matter what. I don't know why, because I actually was never around any of this or never anything. But it was always like, oh, Joe Christmas, the band that was smoking pot like outside the church or like whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. seriously, like like. uh it's just this thing yeah. that like has perpetuated uh, uh, over time. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> I mean, it, it happened. Uh, there's no denying that, but uh, that's funny. <laughs> I guess people don't like tell you, oh, yeah, that band that you were in that did this. You know, I <laughs> right. I guess that's in the other circles of conversation. They never remind, they never remember the good things. Right? Yeah. That's what I've learned. Yeah. What about all the good things I did? Nope. Yeah, right. I only remember the time you said no, or <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you didn't let me do the record where I wanted to do to it, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I know. It is what it is. That's how people people are sometimes, and that's cool. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was a thing. Yeah. Uh, I I never, uh, oddly enough, I I never took part in that, and to this day, I've never smoked pot, which I don't have anything against it. I just right. I don't like any types of feeling of out of control. So uh, mm-hmm. anybody else, you know, there's a specific reason I mentioned that. And it's not to make you feel funny or uh, to be like, Oh, you guys are the whatever. But just to think about now that enough time has passed and to mm-hmm. think about the cultural shift that we've gone oh, through yeah. since that day. Oh, man. Right. And, and to think that probably within the next, I mean, even now, really, to be yeah, honest, right. but, but like definitely within the next 10 years, people will, you'll be able, you'll be able to tell people that and they will just think that is the weirdest thing that they've ever heard of in their life that anyone right. ever cared about that. Right. Totally <laughs> right? true. Right. Totally true. Like yeah. that just seemed like the biggest, worst possible thing that you could do right. that everybody was so bent out of shape about as if, you know, yeah. you're sending the entire youth culture to hell in a handbasket. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, you let enough time go by and everybody's like, what's the big deal, dude? <laughs> I know. It's wild. But, you know, uh, we're a culture and a people that are on the move. And Yeah. But it is. It's fun to kind of look back, even even in our generation. We can go back many generations and see how far we've come and, you know, have those, like, moments of, what the heck were you thinking, you know? Like, it's not <laughs> why, why was this the, big, the biggest deal of all deals? I know. I wonder what the... Uh, you know, in 10 years when that's ultimately and you know, across the board, not a big deal. I wonder what the band will be remembered for. 
<laughs> Don't worry, man. People, no controversy, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that will still be that will still be a thing with some people, but yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's definitely some people that don't don't want to progress with anything ever. Yeah, and they're kind of trenched in. But I think uh, definitely it would be funny to look back at that and think, "Wow, that was like the big thing everybody's excited about." Yeah. <laughs> well, and they were not let down. So. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> we had, had a couple of guys in the band who made up for the ones who didn't partake nice. so much of that. So, uh, yeah. Can you think of like an incident where like you guys had trouble with where people were like found them doing it or anything? Or? No, I mean, uh, not that I can remember, man. I mean, it, it, it was uh, the, only, the only problem I think we had was when we recorded at um, Dan Michael's place, you know, that like Daryl. He um, came and got all his guitars <laughs> because we were, you know, throwing back the drinks and yeah. uh, guys were, you know, hitting the weed and uh, <laughs> things were getting broken and there were bottle rockets, fireworks going off in the house. Really? Yeah, it was, it was pretty rowdy. Nice. Yeah. So rowdy. We got we got reprimanded uh, by Chris, even so, you know, it's pretty pretty serious if it got to that point. I guess <laughs> that was, uh, that was Derry Darty. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. 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 Uh, he came and got, he had like three or four gold top Les Pauls and uh, a couple <laughs> other like serious guitars. And oh, man. he just came in one day and didn't say a word, just kind of smiled and grinned. And I guess it was on the advice of Dan, uh, Michaels that, Hey man, uh, <laughs> they're shooting off fireworks in here. You might want to get your guitars. Yeah, up. but the funny thing is, is we'd already used all those for tracking, so we didn't need them. <laughs> Jokes <laughs> on you, Derry Darty. Yes, that's right. Been there, done that. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. How many? Uh, how many tours did you guys do back in the day? Do you remember? We did a lot. I think um, it wasn't. I mean, you know how it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like there was no like goal or. Uh, really method um, touring. A lot of times it was built around like going out to Cornerstone, that kind of thing. Yeah, we just, you, you put out a record and now they're, you know, seems like my brother, their label, they want them to wait before they go on tour. They got to they gotta record this record, wait a little bit of time. You know, everything's strategic, timing strategic, you know, but yeah, uh, for us it was like, uh, you know, all right, we, we've been working, we got money saved up, we can go. Yeah. What label's your brother doing? Oh, they were on Relapse. Um, they moved over to Spy Farm. Okay. So, which I think, from what I understand, is a bunch of the seasoned people from uh, Roadrunner. Okay. So, yeah, he works there. or He's in a band that was on there. No, no, he's in a band. He's in a band called Royal Thunder. Royal Thunder. That's cool. What does he do in that band? He uh, writes and plays guitar. Okay. Uh, Melanie, his wife, sings. We got a guitar player, Will from Zoroaster. Uh huh. Pretty good stuff, man. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I've heard of them, but not heard them. But now I will hear them today. Yeah, yeah, their latest records. Uh, it's good, man. Really good, and they're working on another one. It'll be the first release on Spy Farm. Yeah, so. that's cool. Well, what led to the end, dude? What happened? You know, it Zach the singer. He, um, I think it was like a family thing. I think his grandmother or grandfather was paying for college as long as he was in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was always kind of the breaks, so to speak, on uh, getting out and touring and stuff. And then when we picked up some momentum with uh, our second record, North of the Future, uh, we were out doing little spot recordings, just recording songs. Our last real, what you call it, 
professional recording. We did three or four songs over with uh, Tom Grimley out in, uh, I think it was LA at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were picking up some momentum and uh, in the non-Christian. The real world, as I like to call it. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you know. The actual world. Right, the actual world. Um, <laughs> and what was considered indie rock back then, uh, that scene, you know. Yeah pavement and all that kind of stuff yeah pavement you know even there you know, like the pixie stuff you know and um yeah so uh we were making some connections and you know uh we were looking forward to our next tour and then uh zach said you know he's gonna put school off so we were super stoked and uh then again i don't i don't know the reason but <laughs> Cause you're just the bass. You were just the bass player. Yeah. <laughs> he got left out of that too. Yeah. Well, <laughs> got a full-time job or, or something like that, man. It's been so long ago. Yeah, so sure. we, we kind of just, you know, we're like, you know what? We had a good run. Yeah. It was fun. If we go beyond this point. It just seemed pushing against wills. So yeah. Um, we just sat at a pizza cafe and kind of just called it a quit. Nice. Yeah. I think that's smart, man. Yeah. Going out on top is a good way to go. Now you just have some <laughs> yeah. happy, happy, fuzzy, dusty memories of uh, yeah. playing some music and you don't, yeah. it doesn't have all the, uh, the we should have quit earlier uh, vibe yeah. on top of it. Right. 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 Yeah. It was a great experience, man. I, I, that was, that was a lot. That was a good time in my life and yeah, got to see a lot of things and meet a lot of people that um, I still have contact with today. So That's around cool. the country. So yeah, yeah, it's great. I love those records. Fun. It was an honor to be part of uh, putting those out, and I'm I'm happy to remember they were with cool people too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Remember what we want to remember. I mean, you know, yeah. like that is one thing. Like in the time I was there, like I just went to see the Descendants here recently at Punk Rock Bowling, and so you know, obviously for me, like growing up with that music, like being doing all those records of the Blasting Room with those guys was, you know like the thing I usually think of and I don't think about like, Oh, we did records with Jay Robbins and Bob Weston and all these other cool people too. You know, Ryan green did all the fat record stuff and all that cool, cool. stuff. Pretty legit, pretty legit Oh yeah. now. But at the tail end there, you played like in that sort of like punkish hardcore band, right? World against world. Yeah. The, the first step in that was a little band called Spud Gun, and, and that's when we got um, on Marty Bush's label. Yeah. Bulletproof. Um, yep. I did not realize that was it. Is it the same band or like a couple different members or what? A different drummer. Okay. So we started out, it was more um, West Coast style punk rock, mm-hmm. sort of progressed. Josh is always moving, he's always progressing. So what, generally, whatever amount of songs he puts out has a particular feel. And then there's like always a transition song in that to the next sound of the next record so and he still does that today but it's a lot more refined it's not so such a big step so um kind of expanding on whatever the original thing was yeah rather than going a completely different direction yeah exactly so uh we had one of those songs at the end of that spud gun record that was um had this um sort of bossa nova feel to it as far as like the the rhythm almost like surfy or something well kind of um I'm, I'm very uh, different genres of music and styles. I'm, I'm totally ignorant to you. So it, it just had, you would know the difference. So uh, <laughs> this, this whole next record, such a departure from that. It's got, it just got way heavier. Mm-hmm. Um, the vocals went from, um, you know, subhumans, adolescents, 
five two more guttural right type stuff and uh so it just got way more intense and then so we just decided to get a little more intense with the name and mm-hmm. um, just kind of go with it and that's that's pretty much what we did we started i just remember that cover with all the cool art on it who did yeah. that art yeah jason kelly he he did it uh, he was a singer uh we're in Royal Thunder at the beginning. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of an instrumental type thing. And we, we do, uh, we play in our house and people come over and the more people come over and then we play like a little house party. And uh, Josh, he wanted to play a show. So me and Jason were like, eh, all right. So we played one show and then me and Jason immediately quit after that. Because <laughs> we're like, we're not getting into this again. Yeah. We need to do it because it's really good. We know how this story ends. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Me and Jason were already had we already had careers in tattooing and mm-hmm. uh, now we both own shops in Atlanta so that that's kind of the path that we took but yeah. um, but he did the artwork I can't tell you how many punk rock kids because of Cornerstone have that angel blowing a trumpet with skeletons uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. on their forearms you know I mean it's it's <laughs> wild but you know it struck a chord yeah all the but, patch punks. Oh man, yeah, patches. yeah, a lot of Absolutely. patches. <laughs> we, we're definitely the patch provider for that. that whole <laughs> patches yeah. everywhere. Oh man, and dental floss <laughs> stitching. So. Right, is that what yeah. they use? Dental floss. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, that that was that stuff was indestructible. Yeah, that's how. Uh, you know, we'd uh, cut our jeans down the uh, inside seam and, and hit them with dental floss, make them super tight. So. I never knew that. Oh yeah, dental floss stitching. Here, I ignorantly just thought it was white thread. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've been living a lie all these years. I know, man. <laughs> In the real world. Yeah, I have a vest with like a couple patches on it. Maybe I should break out the dental floss later and yeah. just get you all old. Back. Yeah, I think yeah. I have like a ninety-pound wisp patch in here somewhere. I could maybe throw right. it in there or something. You did. <laughs> you should. Nice. So then, uh, so that was that. Yeah. You did like one record. Well, we did. So the same group of people, give or take a drummer, um, did spike in world against world. And then the very next step from that was <laughs> pretty much black metal. So, okay. um, the progression went from, you know, like the crusty punk yep. to, this straight black metal. Right. I mean, some of these songs were seven, eight minutes long. We had a keyboard. We had a, we had a kid who could do blast beats. Um, <laughs> uh, so it, it was pretty like we, we, of course, I mean, of course we dressed in black yeah. and, uh, we would, uh, some eyeliner have, or something maybe. Well, we would, well, I mean, we, we, we did some, some dramatic things, but the main thing we did was, is we got, um, I, I'm for sure that we started this. I don't know if this was a thing, but we, <laughs> we bought all these uh, um, small tube TVs from thrift stores, the black and white ones. Yep. And we would have all the lights out, maybe a couple candles up, but we would turn these white TVs on to like statics, and uh, that would be our light, and it would shine up on us. So uh, we got kicked out of a lot of churches, a lot of <laughs> church-oriented um yeah, music venues, absolutely. Wow. Shut down, lights on, power off, like angry faces, like <laughs> what? this is evil. Really? Yeah. Static from TVs? 
Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it was, you know, the whole experience was not, Come on. Uh, you know, Michael W. Smith. So, right. Uh, and and it, it was not even your typical pretty intense punk show. It was, sure. it was black in there and we looked, you know, looked like we were in black and white. Mm. Uh, it was pretty intense. So, first I, I the get pot, it. then the static from the TVs. Yeah. Man. Yeah. <laughs> I get it, man. You know, these, these people in the Midwest, you know, <laughs> we're not, we're not yeah. for everybody. They're not, they were uh, ready for that. <laughs> that's all right. Looking back, you know, we, you know, we were totally known better because this was our, this is who we were. This right. Our art and our create, you know, so yes. being true to your art. Yeah. Well, they weren't, they weren't digging it. So uh, <laughs> we, we did a lot of shows after that in those areas, but uh, that's all right. Do you have any pictures of that? Might be able to dig some up. Yeah, dig some stuff up. I want to see the staticky TVs. I want to see what was causing so much horror and terror in these people. Well, yeah that that was uh, that was part of the experience. So <laughs> <laughs> now was that under the same name as World Against World? You guys just no, we we moved on to Orcrist. So uh, we called Orcrist. Orcrist. Mm-hmm. How do you spell that? Well, it, it was from the uh, Lord of the Rings. It was one of the the, um, it's the Goblin Slayer. Oh, okay. Uh, but we spelled it Chris like Christ. So oh, okay. We, you know, we were very Christian. Yes. Black. And our heroes at the time, well, hero at the time was um, the cat from, uh, I'm sure the controversy is over now. So, <laughs> uh, Don't be so sure. Yeah. The guy that, uh, put out the Horde record as anonymous. Oh, okay. On uh, man, I'm totally blanking. It was it was a black metal label that put the record out, but it was so over the top, and it was um, you know it was drums anonymous, guitar anonymous, written anonymous. Oh. Um, and I think it was a guy from Mortification, one of the guys. Oh, really? But to be a Christian, like when you read the lyrics, uh, some of the songs were um, invert the inverted cross or clothe and release the sacrifice. You know, it was all the uh, antithesis to all the um, black metal uh, subjects. So um, it was Nuclear Blast was the label it was released on. So um, there's a whole thing about this on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) there were Christians who put out records. I guess it it, like slipped through the the cracks and these guys would get like death threats from uh, some of these black metal cats. Weird. Originally oh. called Beheadeth. Oh, yeah? Yeah, that's what it says. Horde, originally called Beheadeth. Wow. Heilig, uh, with a session lineup, Horde played live shows in 2006 in Norway and in 2010 in Finland and Germany. Oh, no kidding. Helig Usvart provi- proved to be a seminal release for the unblack metal movement, and the album was highly controversial in the secular black metal scene at the time it was released. And then there's this whole long like thing about it. Yeah. Uh, Jason anonymous Sherlock is the guy that was, he was also in that band Paramecium. Okay. Yeah. yeah it was wild, man. Like we, we love that, uh, that record and like the audacity of the Christian, you know, coming out with that intensity. You know? So we dug that. Uh, that was 1994. They have a video album, by the way, the day of total Armageddon Holocaust alive in wow. Oslo, 2006. <laughs> <laughs> not messing around <laughs> yeah yeah so that was that and then uh so you guys morphed into this like black metal thing 
I don't know what happened. It was just, we went from punk rock, like uh, East LA, you know, just the punk rock style out West uh, to, you know, black metal. <laughs> like we went from two minute songs to seven minute songs, 10 minute songs. What the heck? I know, man. Just a matter of years. <laughs> so, That's crazy. Covered the spectrum. Yeah. So what happened with that? I don't know, man. It, we, did, we didn't take off with it. You guys um, sat down at a pizza place and had a no, talk. And <laughs> no, no, we were all best friends. We all, I mean, we still all, you know, minus the, the drummer at the time, we all see each other, you know, at least on a weekly basis. Oh, you guys are all tight. Yeah. Yeah. It's me, Jason Kelly, uh, Josh Weaver, and uh, Melanie Weaver. Oh, okay. So um, that was the, the drummer. It's kind of like the Spinal Tap situation. <laughs> we had them come and go, and uh, yeah. a bunch of cool guys. We got to hang a bunch of cool guys. And from that that band, just kind of, you know, the things of life, me and Jason kind of picked up more into tattooing. Um, mm-hmm. That's what I want to get into next. How did you, like, had you done art as a kid? or? Well, I, I'd always been artistic. Mm-hmm. Um, anything I had, I customized it. I mean, uh, I would uh, paint marker my amplifier, my guitar, my bass guitar, paint mm-hmm. jackets. Anything that, that uh, I had was, was customized. So, um, you know, being around uh, clubs and bars and just that whole scene, of course, you know, the, that's just hand in hand with tattoos. So, right. um, you get tons of tattoos. We'd be out, we'd get tattooed, we'd be home, you know, we'd save money, get tattooed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it kind of became a, hey man, this is, I enjoy being here. I enjoy this whole process of, Mm-hmm. Just the vibe of the shop and the process of, you know, watching the setup and getting the design and just everything coming together and, and going through the process of putting the tattoo on and just everything about it, man. I loved it uh, as much as music and mm-hmm. even more so come to find out. Uh, so uh, you didn't do so, any like formal other than apprenticing, like you didn't have any other formal art, like no, anything. No. And when I, when I apprenticed the, the tattoo, community as a whole was still kind of um underground it was so uh there wasn't access to like people who go to school for art fine art whatever it was Mm -hmm. they weren't drawn to tattooing because you know that that was a separate thing right now um you know we've got kids coming out of you know art school and and all that who maybe have been tattooing five years and (laughs) are just blowing circles around us guys who've been tattooing for almost 20 years because they've they've connected all the dots that you know we've just we were just running off tradition so right you know technically speaking you didn't really have to be able to draw because back then people would walk into the shop and pick out a piece of flash and they would say hey i want this rose but i want this eagle can you put a name in there so Mm -hmm. yeah no problem right you know so all it was a technical trade so if you could, you know, work the machines and, and skin, uh, keep the tattoo in there, it's good. You're good. Yeah. Uh, that's a different story. You know? Did you Certainly. start on fruit like a lot of people do? No. 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 Uh, I wasn't looking forward to a career of tattoo. They don't pay you any money. Yeah, that's true. Great fruit. You can't get but, any money uh, out of them. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we, just, we just worked on the thing that we're going to work on. And, uh, yeah. Did you tattoo yourself early on like some people I did? did? Yeah. yeah, sure did. 
So that way, if you screwed up, you didn't have to feel bad. Yeah, well, you know, I'd rather screw up on somebody else than myself. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. My first tattoo, yeah, the first tattoos were on myself, and uh, they fortunately they were not screwed up. So yeah, I got to be honest. I make you you make it seem so casual, and I have a number of tattoos, and I've been to a number of guys all over, and uh, I every there isn't a time that I get tattooed that I don't think I don't I don't think I have what it takes to do this. <laughs> I'd be so nervous, dude, that I would like just get off or someone would, I mean, because you're, it's not like painting or something, you know what I mean? Like, or recording events like, Oh, I'm going to, I screwed up that guitar part. I'll just delete, (laughs) go back, do it over again. You know what I mean? Like if they twitch or move or they, you know, flinch or like anything, it's like, I don't know. It's like, there's a host of variables and you know what? You just, you get experience, you get accustomed to it and you mm-hmm. get comfortable with it. Huh. Just like, just like anything, you know, uh, experience is going to get you there. Yeah. I don't want to get, put you in trouble with your business, but did you ever have one of those? Like, like I have a misspelled tattoo. Um, you know what? And it, yes, yes. And, and oddly enough, uh, it, it was on uh, Jay Baker. Was it really? Yeah. I did this. Uh, uh, it was a, a Sailor Jerry piece. It was a, a dagger going through a skull, and he wanted religion destroys. Mm-hmm. Well, I drew it up, put the letters in there, and I, it said religion destroys. I left an eye out. Oh no! And and everybody in the shop looked at it. He looked at it. Well, come to find out, you know, he was the worst person to like. Oh, because he's spell dyslexic. check. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> so we get it on there, oh, and we're like, gosh. oh, that's cool, man. <laughs> and then uh, we're hanging out. I see him later. Like, Dude, people keep telling me this is misspelled. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, let's look that up, you know, because there were no smartphones. You had to get a, a dictionary. Paper dictionary. Mm. Like, so anyway, so we yeah, we, we left the eye out. But fortunately, um, I I'd left a, an awkward space between the the two letters. Uh, oh, the spacing was off. Yeah, yeah. So we just put it right in and uh, get to go. Nice. And that was the, um, <laughs> that worked out. <laughs> One of my, like, I think second or third tattoos. And we're, I mean, this is going back to like maybe yeah. 1988, yeah. something like that. 89, uh, was, um, I had this cross from undercover branded, like, Oh yeah, man. Go way back. Oh yeah. Um, and then, um, so I had branded underneath the cross and then I had this guy tattoo United. We stand divide, divided. We fall. But he tattooed "Divide We Fall," which I guess is not really like a typo, but it's not really what it's supposed yeah. to. Yeah. Um, but that one's yes. old enough now that the word "divide" is just a big gray cloud. Uh, yeah, yeah. So. It fixed itself. Huh? Yeah, it did. <laughs> you have it long enough, and uh, yeah, you know, it'll just fix yeah. itself. <laughs> yeah, that one's right for a for a cover up. That's for sure. That's so funny. I cannot believe that that happened with Jay. I know. Of all people. So. <laughs> but, you know, it worked out. So Yeah. So then who got, who gave you your first kind of like help in doing that? That was Sid, like you are mentioning? Uh, well, I apprenticed uh, at a place, a tattoo shop in Atlanta called Tornado Tattoo. And okay. um, Gary Oxen, he owned it. Um, and Rob Knight, um, he was kind of my contact. I've been tattooed by him at the, a shop that he worked uh, previous. Uh, okay. so I just hung out a bunch there, man. And, um, Mark McGee, he was guitar player for the anti-heroes. He was a tattooer there huh. and, um, he's going out on tour 
and um, I'd already done some little swallows above my knees. Mm-hmm. Um, J- Jason's dad owned a tattoo shop in Marietta, so we, after he closed, we went and set up machines and started tattooing ourselves. And um, so I showed them. You know, I wasn't looking for an apprenticeship. I just like, hey, yeah. They kind of looked at it, and you know, I thought they were going to be pissed at me for being outside <laughs> the trade community. Your, uh, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, you know, uh, weeks later. Mark was going on tour, going out for a while. So, um, Gary and Rob approached me and asked me if I wanted to learn. I said, yeah, I do. And uh, actually, World Against World was ready to go out on tour that summer. Mm. But uh, our friend uh, Phil Smith used to play. He was a bass player for Warlord. He moved to Atlanta. Uh-huh. So, he, he took that position uh, on, on tour. And uh, I would play bass locally and he played guitar gotcha playing local so uh-huh. uh so we worked through that but pumping yeah up, pumping up the metal with the extra guitar there that's right <laughs> one. <laughs> just one but yeah so um that's how i got into it and you've been doing it how long now long time yeah so uh i'm on my 18th year 18th year that's crazy well your work is beautiful man thank you i uh, i hope to one day be able to uh I don't really have any plans to go to Atlanta, but yeah. uh, <laughs> make it out, man. Stop by. I should have come down when I when I lived in Nashville and blew right. the seven years. I was right up the highway there from you. Going, yeah, going down to see Chad and Candy. Yeah, I should have popped in. Yep, Chad's actually uh, redeemed his first tattoo experience. We we tattooed him maybe, maybe a few months back, and he made it through the Papua New Guinea one. Yeah, he made it right. without. He passed out the first time. Is that what happened? Yeah, uh, he flirted at passing out two or three times, but <laughs> we we got him through it. He made it. <laughs> oh man, I wish somebody had filmed that. Yeah, yeah, it was great. It was great. <laughs> what a baby. <laughs> yeah, that tattoo is great. Yeah, that was a photo. Now, how many kids do you have now? We have three. Three. We have. Uh, Boy, girl, twins. They just turned four. Wow. And we have a son that is, uh, he'll be seven in August. Man. Yeah. How's that been? Rowdy. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, people, people say, oh, yeah, well, it's like we have twins. Our, our kids are 18 months apart. Yeah. You know, if you ever want to just get the, the most evil eye, tell that to my wife. It's, <laughs> it's not the same. Right. <laughs> it's not like, it's double kids now. It's exponential because when they both need something at the same time, yeah, and you're the only one there, or you know, because because when we had our our son, you know, we were playing zone, but we were the, you know, it was easy for us. It was two against one, right? Our favor, yeah. Well, now it's three against two immediately, so we're back to zone. Oh boy! And the, uh, <laughs> the favor is, is the odds are not to our favor, so yeah. It's, it's crazy, man, but it's good. Um, you know, we, me, my wife owns a hair salon, so mm-hmm. she works three days a week. I work four days a week, and, you know, we just kind of made our house. Um, actually, our house looks like it should be in Southern California, so it all worked down the end for me. <laughs> um, but, you know, we, we have like a little kid paradise in the back. we got a swimming pool, a trampoline, a play set, and, and we try to spend as much time here at the house yeah. with them. And, uh, you know, it's it's, I, I got to get all that like personal me stuff out touring and yeah, you know, being a tattooer for so many years and it's just really cool to 
kind of, you know, approach things with a family and, and have a legacy in mind, yeah. you know, um, it, it's very fulfilling. That's cool. And you opened a new shop like in 2012? Yeah, I did that. My wife was pregnant with the twins and I was working for a guy named Kat Sumsky mm-hmm. at Timeless Tattoo. Okay. I worked for him almost 10 years and uh, I knew that I wouldn't be able to hold my end of the a bargain, you know, working for him because I respect him. And I respect what I work for. So there's no way I could be helpful and be a good dad working until 10 o'clock at night. Right. So, uh, a lot of crazy things fell into place super fast, and uh, within six months of the idea rolling in the shop, so it was scary, and it was, seemed like the worst time. Yeah, I was going to say the twins were delivered, and they had to be in the NICU for a while. So I was bouncing from contractors at seven a.m. to uh, going to being to work by eleven, getting off at ten, going up to the NICU, hanging oh. with the twins a little bit, you know. Um, and this is all these things are across town, so. And then back home, so I did that for, uh, let's see, Priscilla, our daughter, she was in the NICU the longest. Uh, she was in there for five weeks, I think. So, wow. yeah, went kind of, it was nutty. But, uh, you know, everything worked out in the end as far as the, the kids are here, the tattoo shop's here. Is it, It's close to you? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're uh, me and my wife, we, we share an internal door. We're wall to wall, and we're three miles from our house. So. Huh. Oh, your shops share a door? Yeah. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah. Yep. It could not be better planned. So. <laughs> That's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're enjoying every minute of it. Well, I'm, I'm curious, man, um, in light of all this stuff, um, like, are you like going to church these days or like, yeah, I'm going to church, man. Uh, it's interesting. I, I've just come out of a huge, gosh, man, probably a six or seven year, um, bitter disdain for the church, mm-hmm. the American Western church as a whole. And I've never stopped going per se. Right. What, what led to that? Can you articulate like what? Well, I had a lot of questions about mm-hmm. particular theologies, questions of hell, questions of if this, why this, mm-hmm. where did you get that? And, and none of the answers were satisfying. So I just. All those one verse answers. Yeah. You know, or, or just what they heard in Bible college and nothing against Bible college, but, um, there was no substance to these answers and they were not satisfying. And I've been studying the early church fathers and the patristics and some of the saints, you know, and one of these guys, they say, you know, you can, you can take someone's word or interpretation of the pyramids or you can go there yourself. Right. You know, so for the past seven or eight years, man, I've just been in history and mm-hmm. culture, first century and um, Judaism to under, better understand Christianity so the more I learned, the more I realized how different these things were theologically from where we are here in the West mm-hmm. and uh, just how things have become exclusive and uh, divisive. and Corporate. Yeah, corporate. But, but you know, the, the early church and the early fathers, everything was about exposing this good thing to everybody and mm-hmm. with with no judgments to how they reacted to it, but, but making a community of people and, and you know, being human together because, because God did what he did through Jesus, regardless of, you know, who's heard it or, or what, how people respond to it. Um, he did that thing. And, uh, the West is to kind of like, well, he did this thing, but um, if you don't look like us and 
think like us, then it's not really for you. Right. You're other. So uh, I, that just that just bummed me out. And I'm very satisfied uh, with the Eastern tradition, mm-hmm. Eastern Orthodox, and you know there are some there are some writers peppered throughout and after you know the first 500 years of early Christianity that I'll read and mm-hmm. explore. But you know the first the first 500 years of patristics era is really kind of where get a better taste of what that was mm-hmm. therefore what was, you know because like you know science and history are two different things science is about repeatable things and studying them over and over and over again and, and the farther down the, the the line of time we get the more we understand the greater knowledge we have of these mm-hmm. history is not that way history is that one off event that is unrepeatable mm-hmm. so to best understand it we have to in and around that time period. Yep. So I was bitter. <laughs> but, uh, you know, have you, ever, have you ever been to Israel, Ryan? I have not. And I've been, I'm super stoked on those pictures. Um, I've got a Jerusalem cross tattooed on me. It's one of my favorite symbols. Me too. I had a Jerusalem cross uh, ring made. I just love all that stuff. It's everywhere. Over yeah, there. man. And, and uh, me and Heather, my wife, uh, talked about you know the kids are getting kind of old enough to where you know we can leave for maybe a week or two mm-hmm. weeks you know well i know some people there if you want to go oh man i'll definitely take that contact the guys from the man alive band this punk band man alive they put out a record on militia group and uh jamie the singer has a studio in tel aviv and his brother and then the other two brothers that were in the band they all live there with their families and they all have kids and stuff yeah so. yeah i'll take that contact for sure yeah i think like for me that was cool. like everybody's like oh it's this big deep spiritual thing and i talked a little bit about it on the show but for me it was like you know i think in in the times we're living now everybody's like oh it's a fairy tale and this and that and like whatever and it's like you know, we're driving along the Dead Sea, and it's like, oh, there's the caves where they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. And, the Qumran, yeah. Uh, you know, here's rowdy. the Jordan River, and yeah. now I'm in Nazareth, and yep. these are all real places. Yeah, <laughs> here's the totally. Mount of Beatitudes. Here's, you know, Absolutely. Bethlehem, whatever. Um, yeah, I crave to be over there. I'd love to take a trip to Mount Athos, too. Mm-hmm. It kind of just makes it all kind of come together where you're like, wow, yeah. these are like real places, you know? Yeah. I think we're so insulated, like what you're talking about here. That's why it made me think of that. It's just, um, we don't have any context for that if you've never been, and, yeah. you know, it's just this yeah. weird, mysterious, dangerous place that nobody wants to go. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. But, um, uh, you know, I don't want to leave an impression I'm bitter with the church. I, I was, but I, I see this as an opportunity to, from the inside, you know, sort of kind of graciously point to a better way of thinking theologically. I, I go to a, uh, me and Heather, we go to a uh, Anglican parish. So Go to where? It's an Anglican parish. Uh-huh. Uh, it's called Trinity. Um, so it's one step in, one foot in tradition, mm-hmm. uh, one foot in the West. Um, so I don't think Heather's down for uh, any. Russian Orthodox or Greek Orthodox <laughs> services. So uh, lot, we'll do this one. things burning and, yeah, and ornate chants. stuff. Yeah. Uh, the church we go to is rad. we got a, a female pastor, Ash, Ashley Matthews. She's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a good thing, man. We, we dig it. I, I just had to get away, at least even if it was one step, just away from the whole uh, Protestant. Yeah. Uh, i got nothing against protestants per se but, um, yeah. they had a good uh, idea when they started man they were, uh, yeah, they were on the right path there it, with the whole fine. protesting thing yeah it's fine <laughs> uh, 
But uh, <laughs> Isn't you, that, you have you have to understand what you're trying to protest right. to begin with before you can really make a good run of it. So yeah. Uh, but anyway, you know, I got I got no. I'm excited about you know being part um, in a church, just kind of seeing what can happen there. Yeah. Uh, all the old punks, man, are going to the Orthodox business. I, I blame yeah, you know. uh, death to the world is the yeah, yeah, the OG people with that stuff. But I saw a post Sarah from Rose, yeah, yeah. I saw a post yeah. from uh, Jeff Becker uh, yesterday where he's been going to some Eastern Orthodox thing, and then yeah. um, you know Foley and those dudes from Luxury are all in the Orthodox Church. I don't yeah, know man, it's know. wild. I think I think people who have a particular level of passion, and I think most musicians do. Especially, I mean, you couple that with punk rock or, mm-hmm. or anything like that, you know, it's it's just exponential. Um, and uh, there's a lot of passion mm-hmm. uh, in the early church. It's not been diluted with American culture, um, with, with mm-hmm. you know, Western civilization. Um, the world's longest and worst game of telephone ever. What's that? <laughs> You know that game telephone where they you line up all the kids and you tell them something in the one kid's ear, and by the time it gets to the end, it's like not even the right sentence yeah, or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the, the church is like the big longest, worst two thousand years of telephone. <laughs> I know, and I think I think that's what's attractive about the Orthodox Church. Um, I'm not a member, and I don't know mm-hmm. if I'll ever join. But um, right, the, the the early patristics and the early church, you know. You know, everyone's got their own story. You got the the Eastern Catholics. Ah, we we're from Peter. You got the Orthodox. Ah, we're from Peter. <laughs> Who cares? You know, like like everybody wants to own Peter. Everyone wants to own Peter, and it's fine. So, um, let you know, let's just move on past that. But uh, you know, I think there's um, there's a realness, and and there that that they maintain that passion, that fire, and that that passion isn't so much religion as it is love and um, mm. I think their posture um, towards the world and towards people is right on still today um, yeah when we get into again here in the west we get into well are you saved or aren't you what do you believe because if, right. if you don't believe like this then you're not really this so it's 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 kind of a bummer um, did but, you get dunked did you get splashed yeah yeah yep. did you uh check the right five boxes and right did you did you say the correct sinner's prayer because right. if you did it when you drive home tonight yeah where are you gonna wake it yeah you know all Is that, that stuff. song theologically correct yeah who cares it makes me feel something yeah Isn't that what i'm supposed to be doing feeling yeah. something yeah. right <laughs> what good is a song that doesn't move me at all right that is, uh correct according to whatever right. standard you have right right <laughs> Yeah. doesn't help me enter into a space of feeling something and that's right whatever that's right <laughs> that's awesome yeah man cool man well uh yeah i always like to check in on that you know yeah so kingdom tattoo yeah. so it's all happening what town yeah. is that in again uh decatur georgia decatur just, georgia just right minutes from atlanta yeah if you dig that uh rooted speaking of rooted in tradition if you like a traditional style not that you can not do other things but that's sort of your tip, right? Yeah, that's it. If you want to get some good work done, go see my man, Ryan. And uh, Ryan, it was so great talking to you today, man. Yeah, man. Good catching up with you, too. Ryan Weaver, everybody. How sweet is that guy? What a good, good dude. 
And uh, seriously, if you find yourself in Atlanta area, um, definitely go check out Ryan at uh, Kingdom Tattoo. I'll have a link in the show notes so you can check out his uh, website, check out some of his photos of his work that he's done. It is really, really good. Um, the music clip on today's show was, of course, uh, Couple Skate by Joe Christmas. And uh, the opening show uh, theme music, opening and closing show theme music, uh, as always, is by my man Ethan Luck. Uh, you can check out Ethan at ethanluck.bandcamp.com. Uh, you can connect with the show at uh, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and the like at Urban Achiever PC. You can email me anytime, and I encourage you to do so, billy at urbanachievershow.com. If there's a question I have ever missed that you wish I had asked a guest from any episode, you can call me at 201-252-7242, leave a message, and we'll put it on the show. I'm trying to do a show of uh, missed questions uh, coming up. So do that. And uh, thanks for listening. Uh, if you'd like to donate to the show, go to patreon.com slash urban achiever. And until next time, keep up the good work. I'm proud of you. Um, and is there anything you don't want me to get into or talk about or anything like that? I can't imagine. Okay. I mean, because we'll probably the first thing we'll probably talk about is is your whole band being high as a kite. Just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Just right. It's like nothing like talking about stuff that feels like elementary school at this point. Probably. I know. I know it's true. Been coming over the memories, and it's, that's exactly what it feels like. We're gonna go. Yeah, it's like going over to that like curio cabinet in the corner and just picking some stuff up and dusting it off. Mm-hmm. That's what we're gonna do today. That'll be fun.